Lays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. Yo, welcome back to the Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks team coverage podcast, formerly known as Hoopball Hawks, where we cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this early, early in the morning on my half birthday, actually, so happy half birthday to me, uh, February 8th. 2022 Tuesday tonight Hawks Pacers State Farm Arena have a chance to bounce back from the two losses that we have had in a row up in the six against the Raptors and then obviously Sunday versus the Mavs which we'll briefly talk about that we're going to talk trade deadline as things are starting to heat up with the trade deadline being on Thursday February 10th um, Hawks name been thrown around. Do I like it? I'll let you know. But I got a guest that's going to be on the show today that's going to talk about the trade deadline rumors and what he thinks the Hawks should do. Or just we talk about this rest of the league. You know, who knows? You knows with this person. You guys love him. He's back. And obviously, we're going to preview briefly the Pacers-Hawks matchup tonight. Before we get into all of that, you already know this plug. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HoopBall to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%, just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some in the words of future like i said earlier free band free band all right and we are back you know him you love him if you follow him on instagram you're always intrigued because this man is a model king drip king informative and you already know he already knows the nba backwards forwards like the back of his hand it is mr David Bracey. David, how are we doing this uh, Tuesday morning? 
We're doing good. We're doing good. It's an early morning over here, but we're excited to talk about some NBA basketball as always. So let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Top of the morning. Top of the morning. Top of the morning. That was not scripted. Um, I, I know David will probably uh, chastise me you know, after the podcast uh, about that. But hey, you already know we got to get to this bread and we're going to quickly get into a recap of what happened on Sunday. The Hawks fell to the Dallas Mavericks 103-94 on ESPN. The Hawks continue to play a lot better on TNT than they do on ESPN. We need to stop playing on ESPN. Um, I know we earned it from our success last year, but we ain't showing a lot on ESPN this year. We're not. We, we're not. If I look at the record, I think we may have won one game on ESPN this year. We won both of our matchups on TNT. Uh, actually, sorry, all three of our matchups on TNT. Much better team on TNT than it is on uh, ESPN. So that is very, that's very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate because we wanted these opportunities and we put forth the effort like on Sunday where the Hawks as a team, David, shot a smidge under 39% from the field. They only made five three-pointers for a whomping 20% from the three-point line. And it wasn't like Dallas was much better. They shot 43% from the floor. But what helped was they shot 44% from three, which is always good. Anytime you're north of 40% from three, that is typically going to bowl well for that team. Hawks out rebounded the Mavs by two. But again, you all know that I love that team assist number. I would love for it to be north of 24 during during the winning streak. It was about 27 team assists per game for the Hawks. They had 21 on Sunday. They kept the turnovers down, but still just could not pull it out because the offense was just so abysmal, which is just the best way that I can put it. The only bright spot on the offense was John Collins. 22 points, 18 rebounds, 50% shooting from the floor. And I continue to say all you people who keep speaking John Collins off our team, relax, because I think we need him, and I think we need to hold on to him for dear life unless the right deal is there. And I don't think any player that has so far been mentioned for the trade deadline is worth us moving off of John Collins. I mean, that's a little foreshadowing. And that's a, a wonderful question I'm going to pose to David as well. But John Collins was a bright spot. But other than that, Trey Young struggled from the field. 6-19 from the floor. 0-6 from three. 17 points. 11 assists. Herter was not great from the floor. 4-13 from the floor. He was 3-8 from three. 4-11 points. Capella was 50% from the floor, which as a big man is okay. He added nine rebounds. DeAndre Hunter was not as efficient as well. Four of 11 from the floor, 14 points, six rebounds. Gallo off the bench with 11. Okongu with four. Bogey was terrible. Two of 10 from the field. And DeLon Wright only gets you two points. So, and on the flip side of things, obviously, Reggie Bullock, who plays really good defense on Trey Young from obviously his days in the New York Knicks, had. The game of his season at this point, 22 points, knocked down six three-pointers against us uh, with nine rebounds. Uh, Luka Doncic with a triple-double. Triple Did not play well himself. 
Uh, 18 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds. He had the triple-double, but he had five fouls. It was five in foul trouble the whole game, and the Hawks could not take advantage of that. Jalen Brunson with 22, Powell with 12, seven rebounds, three assists, and their bench really did not help. So, David, I mean, Sunday was just a defensive struggle for both teams, and it was just about who could execute down the stretch in the Hawks. We're going against their recent trend of executing in the fourth quarter and fell short. Um, what was the surprise, you know, obviously for reading the stats or just watching the game, what was the surprise from you about the Hawks or the Mavs in that game? I think to me the biggest takeaway would probably be the kind of what we talked about a little bit before we got started on this pod today. and. It's just the Mavericks' defensive presence. Um, I think you said that what they have a they have a top ten defense in the league right now, which would probably surprise a lot of people. Yeah. Um, kind of given how their season has gone, but I mean, granted, they're sitting in a pretty good position in the middle of the pack of the West. Um, so for Atlanta, a team that has consistently struggled offensively against even you know the most average NBA team, um, when you play the better ones, it's definitely going to be hard, especially down the stretch and. Mavericks ability to make the the Hawks very uncomfortable in the fourth quarter and ultimately make them cough up the game is going to be indicative of, you know, the Hawks ability to have a deep postseason run or a postseason run at all if they're able to put themselves in the playoffs or play in contention because when you get into that into that situation, you know, it's it's going to be high level defense for the entire game for the entire series. You're going to have to be able to close it out and as you've talked about all season long, Brad, I mean, the Hawks have been very inconsistent offensively outside of Trey Young. So that's something that they still really need to shore up, in my opinion, um, if they want to have, you know, anything that resembles the the run that they went on last postseason. I 100% agree. And like I said, we've been having conversations about this and the Hawks just have to, they have to put it together. Um, we know that they can beat teams like the Suns and the Bucks. In the, I mean, you can they can beat the top teams, the teams that are playing well right now, playoff teams. But we want to see this every day. We want to see it every game. Every time you're on the court, I mean, at this point, it's a must win. Every game is a must win at this point. They are hanging on to a playing spot right now, which may unfortunately be their destiny. And in order for the Hawks, according to the article, which we're going to refer to because they talked about the trade deadline. In order for the Hawks to finish 10 games above 500, they're going to have to beat teams like the Nets, the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Hornets down the stretch. And they're going to have to post a pretty good record in the next 20, 28, 29 games, however many left, in order to put themselves in a position to avoid a play-in spot. But I think that's just out of question at this point um they've dug themselves too too deep into a hole and looking at the standings david right now hawks are 10th at 25 and 28 they are four games back from the eighth spot where the boston celtics are sitting and who are playing very well as of late and there are four games which is this is honestly crazy right here david i'm gonna get your opinion on this right now actually the hawks are four games behind seven which it's not a big distance, but that seven seed is the Brooklyn Nets right now. What is your thoughts on, you know, the Hawks' chances of climbing up and 
who is at seven and eight right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, very fairly, I think we have to talk about the fact that, you know, the Brooklyn Nets have absolutely spiraled with Kevin Durant out of the lineup, Kyrie being as inconsistent as possible, and James Harden looking disinterested and like a shell of himself. So it remains to be seen where the Nets will find themselves for the playoffs. But with that being said, you know, the East has tended to be more of the revolving door when it comes to playoff appearances for teams. Um, so with that being said, there's still a lot of opportunity for the Hawks to put themselves in firm playoff position because um, we've seen a lot of variance, especially at the top of the East, let alone the bottom. Uh, and I expect that to continue as the season kind of rounds out. Um, so that's why I think the Hawks really, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on them, in my opinion, making a move before the deadline to solidify their roster, especially with a lot of expiring contracts, a lot of questions around who to play and when. Um, and the fact that given their star-studded roster, given their depth, they really have lacked any kind of offensive consistency, congruity, and it, it's become a real problem. So I think that this is the perfect position and time for them to make that push um, because there's clearly other teams that we thought would be firmly in the running that are kind of holding on for dear life right now. Uh, that doesn't have to be the case for the Hawks. But again, ultimately, that's going to be up to their front office. Yeah, and I definitely I tweeted out. I think they still need to make a move, whether it's minor I don't, or major. I think it's minor trade, I think, is. More appropriate. I think they need to go swing for defenses in the offseason. I continue to say that on this program. Just every game is a must win because of how they dug themselves into a hole. Um, and to your point, uh, the offense was ex- inconsistent, especially early in the year. Uh, the winning streak recently, uh, the offense was more consistent and they were definitely getting more contributions off the bench. But you know, recently, the shooting woes, especially once they went up to Toronto and they carried over to the Mavs game, shooting woes were there. The inefficiency from the field was there, particularly from the three-point line. Um, There's actually a statistic that I saw from our friend from 92.9 FM here in Atlanta, uh, Mike Conti. Uh, the Hawks' three-point shooting the last two games versus the Mavericks and the Raptors combined is an abysmal 14 of 54 from the field for a whopping just below 26% from three. So just below 26% from three the last two games. And their opponents are shooting 52.3% from three. And, uh, David, um, I always talk about on this program, like especially recently, perimeter defender – well, this has been constant. Perimeter defending has been a problem for the Hawks, and we need – if you have to put more focus on running people off the three-point line, uh, forcing them to, you know, shoot a mid-range that's, you know, more tightly contested. But the Hawks continue to fail to do that. So it's a perfect segue into our conversation as far as trade deadline. Uh, names have been thrown out. CJ McCollum, Marcus Smart, among others, Ben Simmons, uh, who I know two of those three, and you know the two, who are better perimeter defenders. Um what is their priority as far as with trade deadline looming as far as who do they need to go after and what do they need to go after um, to make a, a trade uh, in the next coming days? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's kind of two-sided. In my opinion, anytime you are in a position to get, you know, a top 20 player in the NBA, like I think most people would consider Ben Simmons somewhere in there when he's playing. 
um, you definitely take that risk. Um, however, the risk is also going to be dependent on the price. Now, we all know Daryl Morey has been kind of holding Ben Simmons hostage as well as Ben Simmons has been kind of holding himself hostage. So it remains to be seen what that ransom price ultimately be. Um, however, for guys like Marcus Smart and CJ McCollum, I feel that there is a lot of merit in the Hawks kind of seeing what their availability is in a trade uh, for two different reasons. Marcus Smart obviously would bring a high level of perimeter defense that I think the Hawks could definitely use alongside Trey Young. Um, I think that's kind of what they were looking for when they brought on guys like Chris Dunn. Um, I think that they were hoping to get something like that. Um, and Rondo's brief stint, maybe more from a veteran leadership type of perspective, not actual defense on the court. But so far, none of that has materialized. So I think that's something that they def- def- definitely need to address. Um, but like we were talking about at the beginning of this pod, and like you'll continue to talk about all season long, the Hawks need offense. And CJ McCollum is a great person. Um, to, to bring in for that. He's a veteran. He's a classy guy. This is the NBA PA president. So you definitely don't have to worry about the same type of off the court, uh, quote unquote, drama or newsroom type of conversation that would probably come with a guy like Ben Simmons. Even a guy like Marcus Smart has kind of had some tumultuous times as of recent in his locker room with Boston, him kind of outing Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as far as his opinion on what type of players they are. Um, are that similar to Trey Young? Uh, in my opinion, no. Trey Young is definitely a far, far better playmaker, but he does like to shoot that ball. So you do have to kind of wonder about the fit there. I think CJ McCollum would be a more natural fit. Um, he would definitely help the Hawks with their offensive woes. You would kind of have a revitalization of his time in Portland with a younger um, Dame-esque type of player, uh, which I think could definitely be good for both of them. Um, again, you know, like th- there's merit really for – any one of those guys, any one of those three guys to join the Atlanta Hawks, ultimately it's just going to be about the asking price. And I think right now Portland is probably in a position where they'd be a little bit more willing to let CJ go for less um, as opposed to Boston, who still seems very stuck in the middle. And obviously the the whole debacle going on with the 76ers. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are going to be pumping the brakes when you talk about C.J. McCollum because obviously his availability has been spotty over the last five years. And it's funny that you talk about offensive woes in this program and people are like, well, the Hawks are second or third in offensive efficiency in the NBA. Correct, but the problem is sometimes if Trey's not scoring, he needs that second go-to score to – consistently knock down shots to stress the defense and make things easier for Trey Young and others on this team. And we lack that. I mean, Bogey is supposed to be that guy, but he's now relegated to the bench, which I love him off the bench. I think that the bench is giving him an opportunity to kind of spread his wings and be that guy. Uh, But as far as in the starting lineup, if you're not going to feature John Collins, like we would like for him to be featured, and we saw that, obviously, he has an opportunity to be dominant. Like, obviously, he gets some abs, 22 points, 18 rebounds. That's dominant right there, in my opinion. Um, obviously, points could be more if you want to, whatever your definition of dominant as far as the scoring. But we do need that second player. And C.J. McCollum would be a really g- great addition. And a lot of people are going to be like, well, same makeup as Damon, uh, and CJ in Portland, they didn't get a ring, which is one of the arguments in the article with the athletic from Chris Kirshner, Um, is that per se availability and it didn't work with Dane. And on top of that, you know, Marcus Smart 
I think he would be more preferred as far as defensively, even though he doesn't have that that offensive punch that 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 punch that you would want next to Trey Young that we were just alluding to. But availability has been there as well. So do you, are either either of those two worth the, worth the risk, or as going back to your point, is it depending on the asking price for that player? Yeah, I think it's worth the risk. You know, to me, CJ McCollum is a little bit more worth the risk than Marcus Smart. Like, granted, yeah, CJ has had some recent inconsistencies around injuries, but none of these seem to be, um, you know, terribly troubling or potentially career-altering long-term type of issues. Um, you know, everybody kind of has those injury-bitten seasons, and it seems like that happened to CJ right after he got, you know, elected NBA PA. So, um, you know, these things happen. And with Marcus Smart, you know, again, like he has his definite limitations um, and he also has this definite question. So to me, there's more risk with a guy like Marcus Smart because you have less certainty about the fit, about the impact, about really what type of player you're going to get on a night in, night out basis outside of the fact that he is going to be tenacious, but he will be tenacious to the other team just as much as he probably will to his teammates so these are things you have to consider as far as locker room uh dynamics morale things like that and again cj mccollum you don't have any of those worries this is a guy who's going to elevate the locker room this is a guy who's immediately going to come in and be a leader this is a guy who clearly knows how to bridge difficult conversations currently finds himself as the bridge between the front offices and the nba players association i mean that is definitely a good character core guy to have on your roster. I mean, the fans would love him. And, you know, I think CJ would enjoy his time in Atlanta. Um, so there's definitely a lot to like there um, about that potential. But again, like I said, it's going to be about the price. And if Portland decides to hike up the price because they know that they're staring down the barrel of a rebuild and they want to get all the assets that they can, we could get expensive and you might lean more towards a guy like Marcus Smart because asking price might be less. But again, it remains to be seen where we're coming up on less than 72 hours before the trade deadline here. Um, so things are going to be moving fast and furious. So I would definitely just keep an eye on whoever your favorite follow is on Twitter, because um, as soon as stuff starts happening, it's going to be very fast and furious. Yeah, and I love that franchise. Um, I know you don't, but, you know, uh, family. <laughs> uh, but uh... <laughs> another pod, another time. Yeah, that's a, that's another discussion. <laughs> uh, but I uh, pretty much on the, at this point, and you can agree, nobody on the roster is pretty much untouchable outside of Trey Young, in my opinion. John, not John Collins. Uh, I mean, everybody keeps shopping John Collins. I think he should be untouchable. But Trey Young, Okongwu, DeAndre Hunter, those are the and Harder are the four players. I feel like from the trade scenario, the fake trade scenarios that they put into this article on the Athletic are the untouchables. So what I'm going to do real quick, David, just for fun, I'm going to read some of the trades that the fake trades that have been out there that, Hey, if you were a hawk, if you were a Travis Schlenk here in Atlanta, would you take it or be like, nah, we're not going to take this. So I'm going to start off with, since we just talked about CJ McCollum, the Blazers, if they were to receive John Collins, DeLon Wright, the Heat's 2024 second-round pick, and the Hawks uh, receive C.J. McCollum and Tony Snell, 
would you take that trade? I mean, from the Hawks, I don't think I want Tony Snell, you know, but he kind of just tends to go where he wants. So I guess bring him on, you know, couldn't be much worse than the whole Solomon Hill experiment. Um, RIP LeBron James ankle. So, Dave. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm Dave. just being honest here. I mean, Tony Snell is famous for, you know, the, the, the most recent goose egg, um, statistical goose egg. Um, I mean, a guy putting up that many zeros is usually a secret agent, but there's it's, Tony Snell is far from a secret. So, wow. Again, I, I digress. I digress. Oh, I my gosh. I oh, my goodness. A call him trade, like I said, I think would be good. And you said who would be heading out from Atlanta's roster? It would be John Collins and DeLon Wright. Yeah, again, you know, the DeLon Wright thing, like, hasn't really panned out. I don't think to the level anybody has really hoped to the point where he is, you know, even a peripheral impact player. Um, so I think that that's a loss that you could definitely live with, especially when you've got some promising young guards still on your roster. Um, and then John Collins, you know, he is kind of a stirring giant. We don't really know what his temperament is for the front office, for that team situation, for his role. Um, so maybe a change of scenery could be great for him. You know, Portland could really use a power forward since, you know, they drafted Zach Collins and he was injured for three years and then he left. So uh, they say they still need one. Um, they've lost Nasir Little. But Portland definitely has a lot of needs um, in the front court. So I think that would be a really good swap for them. Um, I think it'd be a good fit for John Collins out west as well, too. And like I said, you know, I, I just really think CJ is going to, would, would be an ideal pairing alongside Trey Young for a number of reasons. And defensively, of course, you know, he comes with his struggles, but. Those are things that you can hope to address on the back end as soon as you solidify your offense because it doesn't matter how great your defense is. If you can't score with the rest of them, then you're never going to beat the best of them, and, and that's just a fact. Yeah, and the only thing I would change in this trade is if we can keep John Collins. Uh, and DeLon Wright, even though he's not the offensive you know, juggernaut, he has played really good defense uh, off the bench as a point guard, and that's what I like about him. He played really good defense on Chris Paul um, in the Suns uh, in the Suns victory on th- on last Thursday. So um, the only thing that I would change potentially in the trade, and uh, this is a, kind of a counter, is what if you switch out those two players and give them Gallo, Bogdanovich, and a first round pick for just McCollum? I mean, yeah, I mean definitely if you can get away with that. Again, like I think John Collins is a really good player. So if you can keep him and have CJ and Trey, yeah, that that looks that looks great. Um, the question would just be if you know Portland wants Bogdanovich again. I think they could probably use Gallinari. Um, I think there's a lot of teams interested in Gallinari for a number of reasons. Um, but Bogdanovich, I think, still has a lot of promise as a young player, and it could mm. become someone that interests the Portland front office. Um, so, yeah, I like that. That could be interesting. And speaking of Bogdanovich, here's another one. This is for Marcus Smart. Bogdanovich and then Charlotte's 2022 first-round pick, top 18 protected uh, for Marcus Smart. Yeah, I think that's solid. I mean, Bogey's definitely a better offensive player, but like I said, you're going to immediately get that defensive impact, and you're essentially swapping out your your backup playmakers. Um Bogdanovich hasn't really established himself as a consistent starter in the NBA yet um, due to opportunity, due to injury, a number of reasons. Marcus Smart kind of has a little bit more longevity in that role. Um, 
So definitely something to think about. But yeah, I mean, that's not a bad swap at all. And the next swap they have down here, and I'm not going to talk about trade specifics. I just want your overall opinion. Derek White has been connected to the Hawks, and I would love your opinion on him as a player and the potential fit in Atlanta. Well, if we're talking about injury concerns, you definitely have to kind of pause on Derek White because this is a guy who really has been in and out of the lineup due to injury. Uh, We have not seen really a full season out of Derek White since he's been in the NBA. It's all about the the potential and the promise of what this guy can do. So I definitely I definitely pause when when discussing potentially trading him when injuries are the main concern. Um, but when he plays, he's great. I mean, and he's great on both ends of the court. So it just depends on your level of temperament. If Atlanta feels like they still have time to kind of solidify what they have going on, build their culture, et cetera, um, then perhaps that's a guy you would be willing to take a risk on. Um, but if you feel like now is the time and you're not looking to take a step back or, or build, you're looking to make serious moves that put you in title contention. Uh, I do not think Derek White is is your candidate. Yeah, and the only thing that would kind of coax Hawks fans into saying, hey, maybe we should do this, is that both of the trade scenarios in the article, uh, the best player that was given up in any of the two trade scenarios for Derek White was Gallo and DeLon Wright. Uh, TLC was in one of the trades, and then the other trade it was DeLon Wright, Gorgie Jang, Jalen Johnson, and then a second-round pick for Derek White. So offload some prospects, um, a pick for Derek White, I think that is – I mean, it's definitely – you're not destroying the, the just the, the core of this team trying to get Derek White, which could be something to consider, but I definitely understand your concerns as far as injuries with Derek White. Yeah, see. he's just been very nicked up, and he's missed big stretches of games for the Spurs. And when he's played, he's looked so great. I mean, he's looked really great. But the fact that he has been so out of the lineup, that is really what has led to the emergence of some of the other guards on San Antonio's team, you know, his inability to, to be available. So I just really do question Derek White's health, unfortunately, at this time. Yeah, the next player, we talked about this yesterday. I really like this fit, uh, Kenrick Williams. I think that it's a trade that we didn't – it could just be – like I said, I think you trade TLC, you know, whatever pick that the Thunder won, because, you know, um, Presty loves picks. Um, he should have played cornerback in the NFL. Um, he should play for the Hawks. I mean, the Falcons, because they need some help there. I'm outside of A.J. Terrell, but um, and I'm not even a Falcons fan. But I think Kendrick Williams, with his size and his ability to shoot the three ball and how hard he is as a defensive player, is a player that the Hawks really could benefit from in, in using their lineup off the bench um, or in key moments of the game. What do you think about Kendrick Williams? Yeah, Kendrick Williams is a very interesting guy who still has not really gotten his shine and opportunity in the NBA. He's kind of bounced around a little bit, but definitely very athletic. Um, you see real flashes of potential with him. So I think that, that could definitely be an interesting um, 
kind of project piece, especially if the price isn't too high, given the fact that he's not necessarily a household name with NBA front offices. So, yeah, that's that's definitely something to think about. And, I mean, you know, the Thunder, they are a mess. Um, but they're looking for salary. You know, I believe that they're, I mean, I want to say that they are like 20-something million dollars below the salary floor, which for people who don't understand what that means, typically you're over the salary cap and then you have to pay. They are negative. So at the end of the year, they're going to have to pay out players potentially the millions of dollars that they are below the salary cap unless they bring in um, a player of, of subsequent salary to kind of fill that slot. So I think the Thunder definitely are going to be probably both buyers and sellers at the deadline. Um, so it's it's very interesting. I, I never really know what the Thunder are going to do until the end they of do March. It. Yeah, <laughs> I really don't. So it's it's very interesting to see what happens. They're, they're prime candidates for buyouts. Um, yeah, we're going to see. It's, it's very interesting. But yeah, to your point, Kendrick Williams, I think, is a very interesting young player. And maybe for, obviously, you talk about salary. Maybe you give them Gallo. Maybe Gallo is the guy you give them because they need, you know, salary, like you said. And if you trade Gallo and Williams, you get the Hawks off of Gallo's contract and then the Hawks add a, you know, a, a good defender for the second unit who can still shoot threes. Uh, anything, anytime you can upgrade from Gallo as far as in the defensive department, which is the problem for the Hawks. And it's, you know, still gives you an opportunity to make other trades. If you want to make them now, you can. But if not, in the offseason, I, I say you go for it. I definitely say you go for it there. And then the last player, um, obviously, Bill, people keep saying that Bill is available. I don't know. He would be he'd be great, but I don't know if we could get him. I think the asking price may be too high um, if for Bill. So a two-pronged question. I'm going to ask you about what do you think the asking price would be for Beal? And two, I saw a, um, a, a hypothetical trade that was low cost that could land us Tory Craig, which could be a good piece off the bench. Yeah, I think that we're going to see what happens in summer with Brad Beal. Um, we've been talking about him for the past like three seasons. Everybody in the NBA and otherwise has traded this man the last three years and he's still in Washington um, this might be where the rubber meets the road for them this season it seems like they're already potentially looking to move around some of the pieces they just acquired um, who they bring back and Bradley Beal's appetite for them as a teammate remains to be seen um, but if he is on the move and available unfortunately for the Hawks I just do not think that they will have the the pieces that they need to really put themselves in that conversation and feel comfortable about it. Um, I think they would have to show out a good, good, good amount of talent from their roster uh, to grab a guy like Beal, unfortunately, just because the asking price is going to be so high when you have so many other teams that are really eyeing him. Um, so the Beal thing might be, might be a little bit of a pipe dream right now, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think the asking price would be too steep. And uh, the final question about trades is, I continue to put this out there, and if someone puts it on mainstream media, I just want my credit. I just want my credit. Uh, 
I think that the Hawks should be patient, not make a move, make a minimal move like a Kendrick Williams. I think that's probably one of the best moves that we could make. Or if they see the worth in Derek White, even with the injuries, go ahead and get him. I think we need to leave CJ where he's at. I think we need to leave, you know, Marcus Smart where he's at, um, unless the asking price is right. But I keep saying that, hey, once Capella is able to be eligible to be traded this offseason, I think the Hawks need to cash our chips in on Carl Anthony Towns. I think Carl Anthony Towns being the second guy alongside Trey Young that you can just throw, basically throw the ball into the paint and let him score buckets when Trey is struggling and then he has the ability to obviously step away from the basket and knock down a three. What do you think about a potential Towns fit and if he would be available and if the Hawks have the pieces to pull that trigger? Uh, I think if you can get Towns, you go get him. Truthfully, you go get him. Um, he is such a rare blend of size and skill. Um, he would be a great fit in Atlanta. Um, offensively and defensively, he he answers a lot of questions for them. Um, and he causes a lot of problems in the East. I mean, he, he truly does. You know, I... I think that that would be that would definitely be a very very um, that would be a move that really sends shockwaves not only throughout the, the the East as far as power rankings go but really throughout the NBA because I just think Towns alongside a guy like Trey Young that offense is just going to be it's going to be incredible so yeah that if the Hawks have any intel on that any inside scoop I think they might have a, a good chance this summer then they should stand pat because. There's no Carl Anthony Towns that are going to be available at this trade deadline. Um, that's taken nothing away from some of the guys we've talked about. They're just not on his level. Yeah, I like I said, I want to put the narrative out. I want my listeners to put it out as well. I that's the I think that is the trade that we we need to make. If we can make that trade, if we can pull that trigger, that is what we need to do. Towns to Atlanta. Batman and Robin. I mean, shoot, now actually it could be Batman and Superman, whatever you want to call it. That is just going to just be just deadly. I mean, Towns and Bead matchups are going to be even more fun because we already know the budding rivalry between Atlanta and Philadelphia after the playoffs last year. It's just, I just see, I see a lot right there. I feel like that is the only move that we need to do to swing for the fences. Uh, but the trade deadline is a couple of days away. I mean, you know, news is going to come out every day. Rumors going to come out every day. So we're going to see what shakes. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, you came on the program to talk about that. And quickly before you go, we do have a game tonight. You need to bounce back. The Pacers come into town. Right now, the Pacers are 19 and 36. Well below, obviously, 500. 13th in the Eastern Conference right now. They're Three and seven in the last 10 games. Obviously, Demonis Sabonis, one of the best players. I mean, they're shopping around Miles Turner. They just traded Karis LeVert. Hawks right now, nine and a half point favorite. What are the things that the Hawks need to do to win the ball game tonight against this Pacers team? Well, Demonis Sabonis playing. Sabonis is playing right now. Uh, the injury report, the only two players out for the Pacers are Rubio, obviously, and Brogdon. Um, 
Terry Taylor is day-to-day. Isaiah Jackson is day-to-day. And on the Hawks side, Will is doubtful. And Gallo is, I want to say, probable or questionable. So is John Collins right now. Yeah, I mean, really all the Hawks have to do is stop Devonta Sabonis and Chris Duarte. Um, because the Pacers are razor thin. They don't have Brogdon, as you said. They just trade as Karis LeVert, so obviously they're without Ricky Rubio. Um, Miles Turner's still out of the lineup. I mean, this Pacers squad is the definition of Hoosiers, and I don't mean as in the beloved movie. I mean as in a bunch of random guys in Indiana playing basketball, okay? Because that, that is what their roster has turned into, so... The Hawks don't find themselves in that predicament. They should be able to take care of business. But again, they are going to have to contain Sabonis. They're going to have to contain mm-hmm. Duarte. And if they cannot manage to do that, especially with Duarte, a guy who's still really trying to trying to get his footing in the NBA, um, like I said, it, it's just going to be indicative of, of the real problems that they would see in the postseason going against better players um, in a more high-stakes situation. I 100% agree, and I know that three-point shooting percentage, we have to shoot better than 26%, like we have been the last two games. That is definitely a key tonight. And just ball movement, continue to move the ball. I like when the Hawks have at least 24 team assists because that means that they're moving the ball, people getting touches, and the offense is flowing better. The offense has not flowed as well. I know particularly against that Mavericks team. Um, it was it was not bad against Toronto, but it, I just, it just got stops. I just want to see a complete game. I want to see a complete game for them. They're going against a team that offensively, they're a little past halfway as far as in the NBA with 17th in offensive rating and their 24th in defensive rating. So the Hawks just need to just, you know, be efficient in the offensive end, and they can take advantage of this um, Indiana Pacers team that is short right now on depth, and then just just get stops, you know, keying on Porzingis, force other people to beat you, and run them off of the three-point line. So that is, I expect them to win this game tonight. After losing the last two, get back on track because they need to get back on track because every game is a must-win right now for the Hawks. So that I'm excited to see the matchup. I'm excited to see what happens with trade deadline and if the Hawks will make the minor move or they may try to swing for the fences. You already, you already know where I stand. You heard where David stands. And, David, I appreciate you coming on the program today. Tell the listeners what you got going on, how they can keep up with you, and you'll let you. As always, I appreciate you having me on. Um, got got some things cooking up with the network, so we'll be sure to keep everybody in the loop. Um, hopefully, some things involving everybody's favorite host, Brad Harden, as well. So we'll definitely keep everybody updated when we make that announcement. Um, but yeah, get at me on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you're at on social, DFB underscore three. Um, and I'm sure you'll be hearing me on a pod very soon here. We hope so. You know you're going to be back here. And uh, definitely check out David. He has drip for sale. He has game for sale. Um, But he will charge you. He will charge you as he should because the man is a goat. And if you love what you do. 
And that game is not free. Scared money don't make no money. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it and tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. Share with fellow Hawks fans, NBA fans, basketball fans, Georgia sports fans, ceiling fans. It does not matter. I need this show to blow up. And consequently, we need the Hawks to do better for that as well. So you know what? Let's grow together. Put everybody on to the show. Put them on our Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at EthosHawks. On Twitter, that's EthosHawks on Twitter. And follow myself on Twitter, Brad Jarrett67. That is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. We will catch you guys next episode. At, could be a trade deadline episode, depending on what happens. Who knows? But we will be back. We will cover the Pacers game. And you will hear me and David in the near future. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day you watch, listen to this episode. And we will catch you later.